0: Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Well, good evening, friends. This is Victoria Lowry with a New Heights show on education. So do you use Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Pinterest? Just 10 years ago, most of these social media sites didn't even exist. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. Now today, they're a way of life affecting how we communicate and how we learn. According to Common Sense Media, on any given day, teens in the U.S. use nine hours of media. But who really puts in the most social media time? We'll answer this question after word on the New Heights Educational Group. Did you know that New Heights Educational Group offers a diverse selection of educational services for children and adults? New Heights provides a library, an online classroom, and tutoring. Much of this is available at little to no cost. We also have a student advisory group for youth from all educational backgrounds to join and develop their leadership skills. We provide support for families dealing with disabilities. There are field trips and opportunities to create lifelong friendships. This is really important. New Heights is a nonprofit organization made of 75 volunteers from diverse business and education backgrounds with a genuine passion for helping others succeed. And if you haven't heard already, New Heights was recently named the winner of a Silver Stevie Award as the Organization of the Year in the Nonprofit or Government category in the 14th Annual American Business Awards. You can connect with New Heights and all we have to offer by visiting the website newheightseducation.org. So back to our subject of the day, how social media affects relationships. I've been asked this question countless times when I'm being interviewed, and many people asking me my opinion on this, so I thought we'd just go ahead and make that a subject for tonight. So who really is the biggest consumer of social media? And please feel free to type your guess in the chat window. I do love to hear from you. At first guess, most people would probably answer that teens are the biggest users of social media. Well, teens use all sorts of tech-oriented devices for activities like watching TV, watching videos and movies, playing video games, listening to music, of course, and checking social websites and reading, too. And even homework is done online in many cases today. This is how their use of media accounts for an average of nine hours per day. But you may be surprised then to know that when it comes to who simply checks social media sites, such as YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all that we've already mentioned, teenagers are not the largest consumers. When you take out all the video games and music, it's adults ages 25 to 54, who have the highest social site usage. Social networking may have started as a vile craze for teens, but adults have become the most frequent users. The latest research shows that Americans check their Twitter, Facebook, and other social accounts 17 times per day. You may think that Americans are the largest consumers to compared to other countries. I did. But my research shows that we are not. Smartphone users in Thailand, Argentina, Malaysia, Qatar, Mexico, and even South Africa check networking apps at least 40 times a day compared to Americans who check 17 times per day. So by far, uh, Americans are the largest consumer of data, That's 4.7 hours per day that we are on our smartphones. But as far as who checks the social apps the most, many other countries show higher higher usage. Americans spend just a quarter of their online time on social sites. That equates to about one hour and 40 minutes per day. Does that still seem like quite a bit? Well, so do these social sites, how, just think about how long they've been around. It kind of seems like it's almost been a way of life all of our lives right now because at least it does to me. It's so well incorporated into what we do on a daily basis. It almost seems like it's been around forever. But really, most of the social sites that I already mentioned have been around less than 10 years. That's not very long. For example, Facebook, and anyone feel free to make a guess, that has only been around since 2006. It actually kind of started in 2004 at Harvard, but it's been available to all consumers since 2006. That's exactly 10 years. Twitter, how long do you think Twitter has been around? It's a little bit, I thought it might be a little bit younger than Facebook. And I guess it is if you only go back to when Facebook became available to all consumers. But it first came on the market in 2006 also. How about Snapchat? That is a little bit younger. It has been available since 2001. How about Instagram? That one's been around since 2010. LinkedIn, here's the oldest one. So far, out of the ones we've chosen. And I would have guessed that maybe that one has been around longer than Facebook, but it actually came on the scene in 2003. YouTube, how long have we been watching those cute kittens and the videos and people falling off of slides and into water and doing all kinds of crazy things? YouTube has only been around for a little over 10 years. That came on the scene in 2005, Pinterest. There's one of your newer ones, very popular, rose to the top of the social media site chart very quickly, though. And that one's only been around about six years since 2010. So when you think about it, this isn't that long. So who does this affect the most? And, of course, uh, you like to think that it is the teens who are... Who are having their way of communicating affected so much But as I pointed out Really it's adults who have taken over so quickly And did you know I think this is another really interesting fact Talk about how we're relating And how we're communicating Did you know that One third of marriages today Actually begin online No longer going to church functions necessarily And maybe meeting someone chance, per chance in the elevator. Actually, one-third of all marriages begin online. So what about email? Email certainly has had a large effect on our communicating. It really was designed, I think, to speed up our our way of communicating and our ability to transfer information and business documents. The first email, email was sent in the 1960s. Here we go. The commercial use didn't actually begin until the late 1980s, almost 1990. So that's really not been around that long either. So what does all this mean? We Americans spend an hour and a half on social networking sites and about three hours per day doing things like texting, shopping, and reading websites or reading news and articles. So here's my take on all this. Texting and talking on the phone is a great way to advance communication. We can send a quick message. and And I really like personally, I like the idea of using Facebook where you can add a photo to it. and story and our study after study show that a text, a message, any kind of tweet that is accompanied by a photo, is received better. More people view it. Uh, and I think the saying still holds true that a picture is worth a thousand words. So any message with a photo, just a little tidbit on the side, is more noticed than just a plain message with just words. But And, and back to some reasons why social media has advanced our communication. Not only can we quickly get in more messages to each other. It's also a great way to meet new people. I can say for myself that I've met a lot of business connections and business connections that have turned into friends on LinkedIn. That's a really great one. I find that people really do research resources on there. And I think being that it's a social site, we feel a little bit more safe and a little bit more like we have permission to approach someone. I might see someone on a LinkedIn page that has an interesting career or an interesting product that I might want to use in my own life or someone that I might connect with, and I'll approach them and I'll send them a request and I'll strike up a conversation. And quite often, this leads to a collaboration or a client or even a, a few lifelong friends that have come from that. Where if I had seen this person on the street, I as a new person that I didn't know anything about, I probably wouldn't have been as bold to just go up to them and start asking them what they do and try to collaborate in business or anything like that. So certainly the evolution of social sites has allowed us to find more connections, and meet more new people easily. We can stay in touch better, of course. Uh, Just a quick story, you know, for example, high school friends. I had quite lost touch with quite a few of the high school friends, and these are people that were your whole world at one point, and kids in high school right now, make sure you do connect because it's a great way to stay in touch with people once you start leaving high school and going your separate ways. Um, We had a uh, high school reunion, and from that point on, all of our classmates connected on Facebook and it's been really awesome to be able to stay in touch with those people I couldn't possibly make that many phone calls every day just to see hey what's happening in your world and what's going on so it's really nice to just glance down that news feed real quick and, and you know 30 minutes you can catch up on what everybody's doing and we can share more about ourselves um, sometimes people overshare but that's a whole different subject. Uh, for example, and this is a really good idea some other people might want to adopt. Our family has a really long history. My maiden name was Dietering, and we were actually in the Guinness Book of World Records somewhere around 1980 for having the longest genealogy chart. But so anyway we're real big on family history and we have a reunion every year. So if you put the event on Facebook and say you schedule your reunion for January 2017, once you have that event, then that will drop from your feed, the event will go away. But we've started family reunion page that will happen in the year 2035. And we know that there's going to be reunions before then, but it's actually become a page where different cousins and we have a really large family base in Germany, and everyone can post pictures and things that are happening within the family that other family members might be interested in. And it's a really nice way to have kind of a, um, a private page and add more information to new ideas that we have and will bring to the reunion. In fact, we used to have a worldwide reunion every five years. That's kind of dropped off the face of the earth for us, and maybe this will help stick it back up. But just like we need to eat food every day to keep our bodies nourished, relationships need to be fed every day, too. As far as the three hours we spend on the Internet, reading, shopping, and watching shows, this is a time I see that used to be spent prior to all these social media sites that cropped up about the last 10 years. This is the time that used to be spent as family time. Prior to Internet, a family shared the newspaper. Kids usually wanted a comic section, but families were in the same room. Kids would hear and engage in parents' conversations about world events. Kids would hear their parents' opinions, which helped them to form their own critical thinking skills. The three hours spent today online doing non-social interactions like shopping and gaming used to be spent watching TV together or working together as a family. TV may not seem like a very interactive activity, but this remains a popular form of entertainment, and without Internet, parents could more easily choose the programming. This gave parents more control over the influences their children were receiving. With streaming devices like Netflix, television viewership is actually on the decline. And with many homes having more than one TV or one TV and also computers and phones and laptops and iPads and every other kind of device, everybody can watch their own favorite show in their own private little personal space. This means parents lose a certain amount of control over what their kids are influenced by. There are other downsides to relationships and using social media. Jealousy. Have you ever thought about that being a downside to using social media? But there are several studies that show that this is a downside because much like what you see in glossy fashion magazines where all the models look absolutely perfect, which is unlike what all humans look like in real life, everything on social media pages can look really great. We tend to put our best foot forward, and that's nice, but awkward moments do happen in a day, too. We don't necessarily broadcast when we tripped over a curb and fell flat on our face. Those aren't usually the kind of things that we post and tweet and put on any of our social sites, tends to be the really great accomplishments and and it's nice to share those things too. But when it tends to be all that, then sometimes it can paint an unrealistic picture of how rosy life is for everyone else and everyone else's life is so great and perfect and boy, mine must really stink. So that can lead to a certain amount of jealousy and even insecurity. Oversharing, we mentioned that before, um, that can be a temptation and it can be awkward to know where to draw the line. Where is oversharing? Um, I like to think of Facebook and Twitter and wherever, whichever site you happen to be on, just think of it as a, a human. Actually pretend you're talking to someone and don't say something that you wouldn't say to someone's face. I think that's a good rule in life. Anyway, and I always try to live by that. Don't say anything to someone that I wouldn't say to them in person. So if you kind of follow that rule of thumb when you're deciding what to share, then I think that will help prevent the oversharing. And this is funny, too. Facebook is such a dominant Had become so dominant that a relationship is not really official until it's Facebook official. Have you noticed? So people can start dating. They can say they're engaged or they're finally dating only each other. And until you put on Facebook that you're in a relationship, then you're not really official yet. It's not official until you're Facebook official. That is how inundated we are with social sites. It's not official until you pronounce it technically online. Once the dating couple changed their Facebook status to in a relationship, then it's real. But studies show, and here's where this is complicated, that the in a relationship status means different things to men and women. Women tend to look at it as meaning, okay, now we are exclusive with each other. We have stated that we are in a relationship. This means that we are committed to only each other. We won't talk to anyone else. We're dating exclusively only each other. It tends, but for men, they they look at it a little bit differently. They look at it more like letting other people know that the girl is off the market. Of course, not every single person is the same way, but this was just according to a study done by and reported in Cyber Psychology, but just something to keep in mind that men and women do tend to look at that proclamation a little bit different. At least clarify. Deep's a good conversation between you and your friends and your all of your loved ones. So, so social media—it's—it's it's a mixed bag of blessings. Social media sites are bringing the ability to be more social. As we've talked about, the ability to send quick messages and quickly stay in touch with friends that would be much harder to call 30 friends a day just to see what's going on. These things are, I think, really Helping us further Communicate and stay in touch I know that I really like Getting a quick text in a day Or a message on Facebook Or anything from from A loved one, from my husband Saying kind, loving things And it means a lot to me And I think it really advances our relationship, makes us feel warmer with each other, and it gives you that little boost and it makes you feel closer. And that is, I think, a really positive use for, for texting and, and social media sites as well. So these sites, obviously, can help us stay closer and meet new people, stay in touch and aware of loved ones. But I think where the difference lies is the three hours that we talked about, those three hours per day that are spent on the web, shopping and gaming and doing things that used to be family time, That actually takes away from family time it seems there is one strain after another that tends to threaten the family unit and take away time and it's the family unit i think that gets challenged when our time is so focused not just family units but relationships in general all kinds of relationships When the family, when the time is taken away from what used to be spent interacting and doing things together. So, what can we do about this? What is the answer, and how can we incorporate social media in our lives? It's not going away. It's going to be here. And as we said, there's some real positives too. So, recognize the positives that social media takes. Like with anything, you know, take the positive and just leave the rest. So we'll take the good and we'll just find some controls for the rest. Parents in particular, I'm going to talk to you now. And if you're concerned about phones, and we could talk all day when the right year, the right age is for our kids to start having phones, but it's going to be an issue that, that all parents will wrestle with at one point, a child's for sure going to want a phone once they start to get to at least pre-teenage. And how can you then control the usage? You, know, you want them to have the phone. You want them to stay in touch with you. And, of course, they're going to really want it. And there are a lot, I know at least Verizon has an online app You can go to their website. I think it costs a little extra, maybe $10 a month for the parental controls. But you can actually go on there and assign your child how many gigabytes of data you want them to have. And you can block certain hours. Their phone will just automatically disable and they won't be able to use it during certain hours it's really convenient you're not there at 10 o'clock every night or 8 o'clock and say, okay, give me your phone I don't want you texting anymore. <laughs> it's time to go to sleep. Yeah, just do it online and it's done for you automatically every day. And what about online activity, monitoring your child's online activity? Sometimes parents really wrestle with this question. I know I have. You feel like, oh, is this an invasion of their privacy? You want to let, especially when kids are... Becoming an adult, you want to learn to have some private personal space And you want to respect that In my opinion, monitoring online activity is really no different It's no different at all than watching what your child eats or watching them at the playground when they're little or holding their hand when they cross the street. There's a certain amount of danger involved with these things. You're teaching, you're a teacher. Teachers are parents are teachers. And so it's okay to watch your online online activity. In fact I think it's really important that you do. There are some software there's a good software number of software that you can download that will really help make this easier too. That you, again, you can set some controls and limits because let's face it, life is busy and you really don't always have time to go on and look at exactly what they're doing every day. And you'd rather be preventative anyway. So just to suggest a few apps that you can use to help monitor online activity, there's one called Tiny Filter. Tiny Filter. There's another one called Nanny, or you could also check one called Leech Block, L E E C H D L O C K. And then just keep some time for daily family events such as dinner and or story time at the end of the day or maybe your family time together every day is the 15 minutes at breakfast. That's okay. You squeeze in it in wherever you can. Where phones and TVs and computers are off and people can just say what they need to to each other as a family, just know, just know that scheduling that in is something that's a priority. And have age-appropriate conversations the danger about the dangers of the internet and, and connecting to people that you know nothing about and releasing information that could give away your whereabouts and things to people that you don't want to know where you are. So tell kids and demonstrate that that secondly, that family time is important to you by scheduling that time every day when all electronic devices are off. From 6 to 7 during dinner or, again, the 15 minutes during breakfast, whatever, you can work out for your situation. And one more little tip it is simply to ask questions. Ask questions to each other. And it's really important how you phrase a question, one that's not answered with a yes or a no, because especially when you're talking to a child, it's too easy to say, how was your day? And they say, fine. You want to ask an A question that is not open-ended, that can't be answered with yes or no. For example, maybe ask them, tell me something interesting that happened in your day. That will be uh, really hard to answer with yes or no. And those are the kind of questions that lead to a conversation. And there's nothing that you can treasure more that can keep families close and keep information being shared and communication conversations via communicating, communicating. So please make sure to join us next week and every week for a new heights show, a new heights, show on education. Have a great rest of your evening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.